What is Cafe Mocha? Cafe Mocha is experts, celebrities. What's up? This is Belle Bid DeVoe. Yours truly, Idris Elba. This is Fantasia. This, this is Invo. This is India Ari. Hey, what's up? This is Brandy. Music and features from a woman's perspective. Intriguing conversation. Espresso. The Mocha Mix. So much more. All from a woman's perspective. What flavor are you, baby? This is Cafe Mocha. We fell in love with her on Fame, and she has continued acting, producing, directing, and of course, dancing. There's no one like Debbie Allen. We got her first up. Then we'll talk to a former NFL player turned doctor. Dr. Myron Rolls shares his thoughts about team sports and whether or not our kids should be suiting up for practice. Cafe Mocha begins now. You like our flavor. More music. More chat. More Cafe Mocha on the way in just minutes. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. She's a legendary entertainer, American treasure, going strong, acting, producing TV shows, running her Debbie Allen Dance Academy, and now a Kennedy Center honoree. On the line, we have the amazing Debbie Allen. Thank you for joining Cafe Mocha. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. How are you? It's been a while. How are you doing? I know we love you, Miss Allen, and we just we wanted to start off, of course, with your thoughts on the passing of the legendary Cicely Tyson. Oh, my thoughts are just bountiful and just overwhelming with love and joy and light that I got to actually be in her purview, that I got to know her, that I saw her on stage live in Trip to Bountiful, that, you know, she was doing so many great things all the way at 94 on the cover of Time magazine. Uh, she is an effervescent light for all of us. And the footprint that she left was uh, indelible that affected so many from Whoopi Goldberg to Felicia Rashad to Viola Davis to Regina King. I mean, there's a long, long list of... Uh, accolades, but also a, a beautiful trail of inspiration. That's what I have to say about Cecily. Thank you so much, Miss Allen. You know, Debbie Allen is on the line. Whether you fell, fell in love with her in the movie Fame or on Grey's Anatomy or seeing her dancing, she's been in the front and behind the camera for decades. She's directing on Grey's Anatomy, Scandal, and How to Get Away with Murder. You know, Miss Allen, we always hear complaints that women, especially Black women, aren't given the chance to direct. But you started directing when you were on Fame. Did you have to fight for that? That chance or do they just just trust in you well it became a natural progression because most of the directors didn't know how to shoot dance and they would go home and I would do it for them mm-hmm. and so they the crew started asking for me because I was so good at it and now in my seat here at Grey's Anatomy I've hired more women to start in network television our drama than any show and that was before the me too of it all And so it's a great opportunity. And our show is so amazing, so relevant right now with what's happening in the medical world. Uh, And I play uh, the world's leading, one of the world's leading urologists, which is like a a, a real connection to this wonderful campaign that I'm a part of right now. The campaign that I'm partnering with the National Kidney Foundation and Bayer to uh, bring uh, a call to action for millions of America and ask the question, are they thirty are they the thirty three percent 
because we have 31 in three Americans are at risk to develop chronic kidney disease. And this comes straight out of type 2 diabetes, and it comes straight out of not knowing and not taking a simple urine test or a simple blood test that could tell them everything. And let so... Me, um, mm-hmm. let, me, let me interrupt you there because um, you recently announced that you are pre-diabetic. So I wanted to, you know, go back and address that. How did you find out? I mean, because we see you, you're still fit, you're still dancing. Right. And yeah. to us, it looks like you're doing everything to make sure that you're healthy. So what did you think and how did you find out that you had pre-diabetes? Well, I've been looking for it, honestly, for years because it's in my gene pool. Mm-hmm. My father died of complications of type 2 diabetes. My grandfather, Papa Lloyd, died on train conductor right there at work. My aunt Ciela died in my arms. All complications of type two diabetes. And in, in their time there was no there was no, you know, uh program that would tell them what we're trying to tell people now. Mm-hmm. And so I got I'm always, you know, checking on myself. So it was a routine check and it came back that my uh it, that in my blood that it was uh that I was pre diabetic. And so I was really happy to join this campaign to help people know that there's something they can do. You know, minuteforyourkidneys.org is a site you can go to and you can find out about this simple urine test, a UACR test that you can take, or blood test, EGFR test that you can take, and you'll find out if you have kidney disease. You'll find out if you're predisposed. Simple. And so there's millions of people now because of COVID. COVID shown just a big light on the disparity, certainly in the black community, yeah. about health care. And diabetes has been a big conversation in who's at risk for COVID. Would type 2 diabetes put you in the, straight in the front line for risk for chronic kidney disease? And so I, I'm willing to share some of my personal life if that will shed light and help others, because I think that's what we should do. You know, that's what Cecily did her whole life. She used her art as a platform for social justice and change and making people aware. And yes, I love doing everything I do. I'm directing, I'm acting. I have a big dance school. I'm starting a middle school. I have more energy now than I had 25 years ago. So these diagnoses don't mean that it stops you. It means that you are aware. You're woke to your own situation and you can plan with your health care given, you know, stay healthy. Because I've got grandkids, honey. I've got a long way to go to chase them around. (laughs) We're talking to the incomparable Debbie Allen. And I want to ask you, because I know a lot of people have diabetes that run in their family. And I feel like some people just treat it like, oh, she got the sugars and downplay it. And then next thing you know, it's evolved and spiraled into this horrible disease. I mean, how do we get around that? How do we get Especially in our community day, you know, Debbie, the black community, we just not taking it seriously. What can we do to to get the message mm -hmm. out to them? Well, I'm just bringing it home. I'm saying it out loud that 37 million adults in America have it and 90 percent of them don't know. 
So the question has to be asked, are you 30, uh, you know, are you the 33 percent? Are you? That's the question. This campaign is is incredible and it will bring light and attention to how people can be proactive. It's a simple urine test, a simple blood test. Go to the website, minuteforyourkidneys.org and see. So it's 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 going to start, people should start talking. And this is a new day in America. New conversations are being had everywhere. And this is one that needs to be had. Take a deep breath. We made it. Got you. It's Cafe Mocha. Radio from a woman's perspective. It's Cafe Mocha on the line. Director, actress, dancer, teacher, Miss Debbie Allen, talking about her partnership with the National Kidney Foundation. Now, Miss Allen, did the um, Kidney Foundation did they come to you for this partnership, or were you seeking out a partnership? No, they came to me because they could. They looked at my DNA and my profile, and they looked at my persona with the community. You know, I have been active in other campaigns. I was active in a campaign about COVID, bringing to to our community's attention to understand what the clinical trials were. What are they that you can go and find out? So, you know, if if you feel comfortable that this vaccine is for you or not. I I think that um, if there's any real great part of celebrity, it is using it as a platform to engage people, to bring to their attention things they need to know, or to, to you know, stand tall and be a, a voice that needs to be heard. Mm-hmm. And um, so I take it seriously as a mother and as a grandmother and as one who is educating hundreds of young people around the world and across America. So let me break this down. If I'm listening to Miss Debbie Allen right now and I'm like, wow, yes. she's talking about the National Kidney Foundation and prediabetes, what's the first thing you want me to do, Miss Debbie? Well, the first thing I think you should do is go on the website, minuteforyourkidneys.org. Okay. Minuteforyourkidneys.org. It will give you all the information. You can take a little questionnaire about your health. And then I would say, go and get that urine test and the blood test. Find out the UACR urine test and the EGFR blood test, and you'll find out. And you need to know, where are you? If you don't, some people might not even know if they have uh, diabetes running in their family. Type Mm -hmm. 2 diabetes is something that develops over time. Type 1 is the one that you're born with, which is even more critical. But type 2 sometimes starts late in life, sometimes 30, 40, 50 years old. I've been on the lookout because of it being in my family since I um, had children because they call it gestational diabetes when because of pregnancy and the weight gain and all like that. Uh, it, can, it can come on and it, knock on wood, it, hasn't hap- it didn't happen. So um, I'm not surprised that uh, I'm diagnosed as pre-diabetic. And it, it will get you to really start to look at what you're doing. What, is it, what are you eating? Are you exercising? Are you overweight? 
Mm-hmm. You know, we I can always lose weight. We always need to lose weight. Women are like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, gonna, I'm determined to lose weight for that Kennedy Center honor, honey, and be hey. cute. When I get up there, I'm Talk determined. about that. When is it? I mean, first of all, congratulations. Take us, yes. Take yeah. us back to getting the announcement. How, you know, the oh day when they told you. <laughs> it was in November. And when the president of the Kennedy Center called me, I thought she was calling me to do something because I'm always doing something. I'm there for the opening of the fountain, celebrating the centennial of Kennedy. I'm there for uh, dance day, for the opening of Rise. I'm there doing shows so I thought it was the next thing they wanted me to do and she said you've been nominated and uh, and unanimously elected to receive the Kennedy mm. Center honor and I just I it really took me aback I, I got a little tearful I have to say it took me aback because I wasn't expecting it and to be at this time when you know everything is going back to a sense of normalcy, even in the middle of COVID, Mm -hmm. we will be going to the White House and no one has been there in four years. Mm -hmm. So this is going to be a new day. It's a new day, however you look at it. And it's exciting for me and for my whole family. So my whole family is going to be with me. We'll get there somehow. We'll figure it out. That's beautiful. And, you know, I want to commend you and thank you for keeping us active during COVID yeah. because, uh, <laughs> with yeah. your Instagram dancing and and you're I'm still doing it. Mm-hmm. I am. I would be, I would be doing it. Uh, I didn't get to do it this week because I was directing and next week I might be acting. Uh, but I, I've been doing it since March and it is just a joy. And we, we sweat and I call it holy water and it's a good thing. So um, I'm gonna keep it coming. I hope you guys keep coming with me. That's when good. you make it looks like it's easy, but it really is sweat, and it's just. <laughs> and now I, I can say I've been trained by Debbie Allen. That's right. You are in my class. You are in my class, honey. Yes. <laughs> oh my goodness. So where are you? I can't wait to get back to the East Coast. I don't know when that's gonna happen. We're right out on, here with you. Yeah, we're right out here with you, and it's raining. I know. Um, I know. Let's talk about your da- dance academy that's been yes. around for 20 years now. Talk about what made yes. you open it. Well, you know, I, ever since fame, everywhere I've gone in the world, and that's been a lot of places, I've been asked, where's your school, Miss Allen? Where's your school? And I started a, a summer school in Dallas, and that was like hundreds of kids and then every time I would do the Oscars, I would find myself teaching because they didn't know who was Catherine Dunham. They hardly knew who Bob Fosse was. So I, I knew I needed to do it. And then my daughter, I sent her across the country to go to a school. And her teacher basically, uh, it was almost a very racial situation. He admonished her in class in a way that was totally unacceptable. Mm. And I wanted her to come home and I said, I'm going to start the school. So I stole their best teacher and I got all my friends that are great teachers and dancers. And I started Dada and we have raised a couple of new generations of wonderful human beings that are out here doing it. My baby Kylie Jefferson's the star of Tiny Pretty Things, Tiny Little Things, a wonderful uh, Netflix hit that was um, 
about a ballet school. I don't know if you watched it, but yes. it was number one in the world. And Kylie Jefferson is a star, and she was one of my students since she was six years old, and we're so proud of her, so proud. And Brian Fong, he's on um, a young, um, oh, God, I can't say the name of the show. It's so good. Uh, it's a medical show on CBS. Mm-hmm. Um, he's oh. starring in that show. Um Yes, young Sheldon. Um, yeah. Yes, that's Ryan. Uh, Ryan Fong. He's in that show, and um, there, my kids are out here doing it. And so uh, we're going to start in the fall a middle school. I'm going to start with just the sixth grade. I'm just starting to take applications now. Mm-hmm. It'll be small, only 15 students in the class, and we will give them a full, you know, academic curriculum along with the arts the dance and the performing arts and it's I'm excited to do it. I'm excited to do it. So Oh, we're excited um, for that. Yeah, Kathy Mogan. So Dance Dreams was amazing for us on Netflix. Shonda Rhimes produced our documentary that was just amazing. So you know, in the in the documentary you talk uh I you talk a lot about your nutcracker your chocolate nutcracker but we Mm -hmm. also get to see inside the early days of debbie allen and your Mm -hmm. spunk and your commitment and i was just floored i guess you know segregation seems so long ago and it doesn't seem like Mm -hmm. something that you were a part of but you actually couldn't go into town and you couldn't go to dance classes because you were black like that's crazy to me Mm -hmm. it's crazy it's it's crazy it's no more crazy than some people not being able to vote and being turned away so i was part of that early 60s and 70s semantics where we were civil rights legislation it was like taking this country by like a brush fire and uh houston texas that i remember the white only water fountains and bathrooms and not being able to go to restaurants and couldn't go to ballet class and then it changed and then at the houston ballet foundation at the ripe old age of 14 i became their first black student and they snuck you in And they snuck me in, child. They didn't even know I was there. But then when they saw me dance, they they couldn't be mad. They were trying to be mad about it, but they had to let it go. Let me tell you, (laughs) Alan, I remember, I don't know if you remember, you choreographed, I believe it was an Oscar um, Mm -hmm. program. And I'll never forget, I was watching you. I think you had on white coattails and it was, you were singing, um, it don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. Ah, yeah, that was me and Gregory Hines. Oh, oh wow. And I tell you the awesomeness that I felt watching you, a black woman, just be magnificent. And the question I have is, do you ever feel this responsibility with the platform that you have of being so fabulous and understanding that we as black women love you? Oh, that is so nice. Thank you so much. That is so loving. I I feel I, I feel that I am getting my flowers as Lena Waite says to me. Uh I get I got so much love and uh g- good wishes on my birthday. So many flowers. My house looked like it was a a garden for real. I mean, I did an Instagram about the flowers. They were so beautiful and so many of them. Um, 
I feel blessed and I do feel loved, but I also feel like I have so much work to do. I really do. And so many kids that I want to touch and, uh, you know, time is, time is, is ticking. So, um, I don't waste too much time. I try to get things done. I'm a doer. That's who I am. You're doing an amazing job at it. Uh, for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, I encourage you, whether you're a Debbie Allen fan or not, whether you have a dancer in the family or not, you have to check out uh, Dance Dreams Hot Chocolate Nutcracker on Netflix. It's really Yay. good. It's a great insight into <laughs> your life. Um, Thank you so much for that. Thank you so much. And I'm so happy for this conversation. It's really nice for us to just like hang out. I feel like we just like hanging out and talking about, you know, what's important, our health and what is possible for our young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a great time. And I'm so happy you have this platform that is uh, bringing uh, so much joy and information to the world. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. Miss Debbie Allen, you can find her everywhere. Oh, (laughs) you know, before I do the official outro, will you let people know how to sign up for your dance classes? Yeah, you can go to DebbieAllenDanceAcademy.com. And we are in work right now. We're just starting a new session this Monday coming. And we have online classes. We have small in-person classes. Um, and we've got a big summer intensive coming up. So we take them. Our youngest students are like three-and-a-half-year-olds, and we have uh, a program for seniors for oh, Calibri Arts. Yeah, and we have we even have a program for cancer patients. We have so many programs that we are bountiful. So I hope that you will bring your selves and your young people to us and we're here i'm there all the time so and please get yourself checked minute please kidneys.org yes thank you so much for joining us come back anytime and just spread i will i promise okay thank you okay thank you all right bye Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians, Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist, Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, 
experienced sales representation. For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? We care about you. Check out BetterHelp. They will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. BetterHelp is not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online and available worldwide. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. On BetterHelp, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor whenever you need to. You can schedule a weekly video or phone sessions all in the privacy of your home. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. BetterHelp.com reviews. Visit BetterHelp.com follow. That's Better H-E-L-P and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and Cafe Mocha podcast listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Mocha. It's Cafe Mocha, Angelique, Lonnie Love, Yo-Yo, Myron Roll played football at Florida State before getting drafted to the Tennessee Titans as their safety. A Rhodes Scholar who retired from the NFL in 2013 and went to medical school about to become a neurosurgeon. Mm. And he has spent a lot of his time during the pandemic treating ER, in the ER treating COVID patients. Uh, welcome to the show, Myron. How are you? I, I'm sorry, Thank do you. we have to call you Dr. Roll or? Uh, yeah, he earned it. I call you Dr. <laughs> Dr. Roll. Welcome, Dr. Roll. It. Yes, we took calling him Dr. Roll, okay? <laughs> Dr. Roll, as a medical professional and former player, what do you think about the way that the NFL handled the COVID crisis? Well, thank you guys for having me first off. And, um, you know, it's an honor for sure. Um, you know, I, I think the NFL has uh, shown what they truly are, which is a, a business that is more concerned about uh, money, uh, finance, the product on the field, as opposed to protecting these players and keeping them safe. You know, I think the NBA had a really good plan in keeping these players in a bubble, having a microenvironment to ensure that factors and variables were being well controlled and so they had hardly any outbreaks they weren't able to miss any games all the players were you know um, safe and their families were safe and then the nfl is trying to keep this game going where players are traveling from one city to the other they're being exposed to people in hotels and buses and planes who aren't getting the same covid testing and the same sort of um, restrictions that they have it's just been a public health disaster i, I really feel that the players are uh, the collateral damage in the NFL trying to keep this um, billion-dollar business going. Mm. Uh, mm. So um, what are you saying, that repeated outbreaks in college and the professional football 
um, the NBA's approach seemed to have worked for them, right? I mean, do you Absolutely. think they should put everybody in the bubble? I, I think so, honestly, but I do think that you need to get buy-in from the players because what you've heard from some players is that it was stressful emotionally, psychi- um, psychologically, not having your family there. I remember when I played and I had a tough game, I liked to come home to my family and just be able to decompress you know, and get away from everything. But when you're in the bubble, you're sort of limited in how much you can do that. However, if you do want to play this elective game amidst a pandemic, I think they're are some sacrifices that need to be made and a bubble I think is, is probably the best way and most safe way to do it uh, with organized sports in, in the midst of 400,000 deaths and, you know, so many cases around the country. The um, March madness is coming up and they've decided to bubble up in what Indiana. Are you, you think that's the way to go with the, with the college sports is to have them do the same thing? I, I do, you know, but I, I'm a little, I'm a little harder on the on the NCAA, frankly, yeah. because uh, you know it, it's it's supposed to be amateurism, right? These are supposed to be students first, and yeah. you know, I, I just I just don't know how much these players are getting out of being in a bubble, being away from their classes, being away from the extracurricular activities that are able to that are afforded to them by being a student athlete on these campuses, uh, and just really having these opportunities. I remember when I played football at Florida State. You know, Spike Lee came and spoke uh, on our campus, and because I had practice, because I had to lift weights, because I couldn't miss team meetings, I was not able to see him, and I really wanted to, but other students were able to see it, but not me. And so, you know, there's some opportunities that these players could miss uh, by putting them in this bubble. Yes, it's the safest thing for them to do, no question, but you're not paying these players. These are not, at, these are not professionals, right? So there's, there's right. other aspects of the college experience that they could be missing out on if you do this bubble for sure. Dr. Rowe, why aren't people taking this seriously? I'm not even talking about just athletes. I'm not just regular mm-hmm. everyday people. Can you remind people how serious this this situation is? Yeah, you know, I, I, it's very serious. And um, you know, the, the only way that I can bring it to people and bring it, you know, right into their living room is by removing all the numbers, removing all of the, the statistics, you know, the tickers that you see on CNN and on TV and all those things. And think about these patients as humans, as real people with real personal narratives, real stories, real families who just wanted to live out this year and live the rest of their life, um, you know, healthy. And then they got hit by this very infectious disease and it really turned things sideways. It goes quickly. You know, you get sort of infected day two or three or four. And then day seven or eight is when you start to really crash and go downward. And then you need oxygen support. You need to be intubated. And then you start having these end of life discussions, you know, without your family at your side. So I just try to bring a personal touch to my former teammates who asked me about it. My family members who asked me about it. And I say, look, we're not through with it yet. It can happen to you just because you're young, just because you're somewhat healthy, doesn't take you out of the demographic of being affected by this very, very contagious virus. Uh, we're not through with it yet. We're not over the hill and there's still a way to go. I do think we'll get there, but we have to continue to um, be smart about it. And what do you say to people of color um, that are um, suspects to the vaccine and they don't want to take it or they they think that, oh, it's going to do them more harm than good? Well, I would say I understand your skepticism. Uh, I know that it's born out of a place of distrust with the medical community. 
uh, is something that I've you know gone through and thought about and ruminated on for a long time as well. I understand what happened in Tuskegee. I understand what happened to slaves. These slave women were tested and treated for vesicular vaginal fistulas by these doctors down in Alabama without their consent, without you know sort of any sort of you know guidance. But they were just tested on like experimental rats. I get that it's real. However, what I would say is different here is that they're were black doctors included in the FDA sort of um, advisory boards. Uh, There were black patients that were included in all the trials. And the fact that this came out so quickly wasn't because they're trying to jam it down our throat. It came out quickly because finally government said, you know what, we need to invest in research and development. And if we give more money and more resources and more time and more flexibility to these labs, then maybe they can produce something great. Typically, they don't get this amount of money. You know, these scientists don't get this kind of money. And so now they're getting all of this and they were like, shoot, we can pay staff members to work later. We can buy all the materials and all the supplements we need. We can get all the lab space we need and we can produce something relatively quickly. So I just tell black folks, look, you know, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. But, you know, as a medical professional, I think this is the best way to go because our pop, our population is being hit the worst, as we know. And the way we curb this pandemic is by, um, you know, getting this vaccine, doing the behavior lifestyle modifications, continuing to move forward, and uh, and knowing that this is a different day. This is a different day than what happened in Tuskegee, different day than what's happened in slavery. And we're moving forward, and we Black people were involved in this process, something that we've never had before, but it's here now, and uh, I just, I, I encourage people to, to get it, for sure. Standing in solidarity. Celebrating 10 years of radio. From a woman's perspective. It's Cafe Mocha. Dr. Myron Roll is on the line, a former Tennessee Titan NFL player turned uh, neurosurgeon. Uh, you're in the ER on a regular basis and you're seeing COVID patients. Um, what are you seeing as it relates to young Black men? Because I understand that that our brothers are getting hit hard, way harder than, than we realize. Are you seeing that in the ER? I, I am absolutely. Our hospital, Mass General Hospital, is you know uh, one of the best hospitals in the in the country. Um, you know, it's a Harvard hospital, and so um, you know we uh, we get a lot of patients from all over the New England area, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, obviously, right in Boston, locally. Um, and I think it happens honestly prior to even getting to our hospital. There are health disparities that are now being further accentuated because of COVID nineteen. So for a long time, you know these. People in black and brown communities uh, don't have access to primary care physicians. So they might not know that they have a chronic condition that makes them more susceptible to a virus that hits people who have a lot of pre-existing and, and pre-morbid conditions, right? So that's one. Two, in these black and brown communities, especially in locally in Boston or Roxbury and Mattapan and Dorchester, some places you know nearby the hospital, you have people living on top of each other in these you know, apartment complexes and in these in um, living quarters. And so it was very hard to sort of socially distance. If one person is infected, then you may infect your whole family, which ends up becoming you know, a snowball effect. And we know, as black people for the longest time, especially our matriarchs and patriarchs of our family, they always sort of put off their health second, right? They're like, oh, child, don't worry about it. I'm good. Don't worry about me. It's fine. I'm good. I just do what you got to do. I mean, my mother does it. My father does it. They sort of you know, rely on the kids to sort of do well and, and, and not really pay focus to their own health. And again, that leaves you open and susceptible to uh, a virus that is hitting people who have these pre-morbid conditions. So I think it's a 
it's a, pri- a pre-hospital issue that we're dealing with, health gaps, health disparities in our communities uh, that's really allowing uh, and unfortunately allowing these black folks to come into our hospital and uh, receive critical and acute care. And I think it's a time for public health advocates, medical professionals, and even just the general public to really put out the word that we need to know our health status. We need to get in control of it. We need to have healthier lifestyles so that when the next virus does hit, that we're in a better position um, to, you know, with a better and stronger immune system to fight it off for sure. You know, you are so smart. I'm just like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? You, I, I wanted to ask him. Did so? You, 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 you have already had the shot, the COVID. Yeah. Yes, I have. Yeah, I had the Moderna. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the one the sister made. That's why I. That's the one I want. The one that Dr. Kizzy Corbett. That's the one I want. I'm getting the Moderna. Have you had the um the second shot, Dr. Roll? Uh, no, my second shot comes in about two weeks. So yeah, call us, call us in two weeks. <laughs> you know what? Stop. Uh, no, 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 no. <laughs> as soon as I can get mine, I'm getting it. So it, it, I hope it make me smart like Dr. Roll, because he is smart. <laughs> you know, Dr. Roll, I wanted to ask you a, a quick question. Uh, yesterday I was out and I saw um, children still in uniforms. Um, Children are continuously playing um, sports during this pandemic, contact sports like football and basketball. Um, you know, they're chilling, these, all these contacts yelling. Uh, should these activities be ex- suspended? I, I think so. Absolutely. I'm much more conservative with this than other people. I just think that these are elective uh, activities uh, that, yes, we love to do. I played football since I was six years old. I'm from the Bahamas originally. We came to this country and my daddy, you know, put a, a football in my hands and my brother's hands and we started running with it. And I love the sport. It's, it's, it's even helping me be a neurosurgeon now with how it taught me how to do teamwork and communicate, overcome adversity, all of these sort of intangibles. I get it. It's, it's, a, it's a real thing. But this pandemic, it's an invisible virus and it's a visible enemy that has really been rocking communities left and right. And I just don't think we get a control over it by continuing doing the normal things that we have been doing and saying, okay, it's just gonna, it's just gonna find its way out of here. No, it takes collective buy-in. It takes collective engagement. It takes a collective understanding that maybe some of the things that we love to do, going to concerts, um, going to restaurants and clubs, going and playing organized sports and traveling all over the place. Um, these things may need to take a back seat for just a few more months until the numbers start to come down until major hospitals like my hospital, Massachusetts General Hospital, till Cleveland Clinic, Johns Hopkins, all these other major research centers, till we start to see our trajectories go downward. I think that's when we can feel more comfortable by having these, um, you know, elective youth sports that you have just mentioned. All righty, Dr. Myron Roll, former Tennessee Titan turned neurosurgeon. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay safe. And we really appreciate you, your team, and all the medical professionals out there busting their butts. Just yes, thank you, you know, so much, thank Dr. you. Rowe. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thank you. Happy New Year. Thank you. Take a deep breath. We made it. Got you. It's Cafe Mocha. Radio from a woman's perspective. Here's your dose of espresso. 
Strong, hot news now. We lost a legend and a trailblazer when we lost Cicely Tyson. Years ago, she talked to Oprah about acting. It's what's innate in me mm-hmm. as a being yes. that allows me to give a role what it should have yes. to make it live yes. for you. Yes. I am, in fact, the sum total of my whole life's experience. Rest in peace, Cicely Tyson. Pastor T.D. Jakes reminds us all of the realities of COVID-19. 420,000 people are dead. They turn into funerals for us. So we see the families, we see the pain, we see the tragedies, and we're trying to service them through masks and social distancing and feed families without touching families who are grieving. Uh, It's been difficult. And Denzel has a new movie in theaters and on HBO Max. He says the talent runs in his family. My wife was a child prodigy, uh, concert pianist, Ben Cliven, competitor and singer and actress. My daughter Katya is a producer. She's produced, uh, she produced Malcolm and Marie. And uh, my uh, baby boy Malcolm is a director and a producer. That's the espresso. More Cafe Mocha? More of the flavor you love in just minutes. Keep it right here. Cafe Mocha. Wrapping up the show, we have to thank Debbie Allen for coming to hang out with us. You know, if you want to dance with Miss Allen, the virtual classes are only five bucks. You don't have to be a pro. You don't have to look good. It's nothing like fame. Uh, but they've got every kind of dance you can think of for $5 per class. Just go to DebbieAllenDanceAcademy.com and look for her virtual classes. Until next time, you can find us on all platforms at Cafe Mocha Radio. Jam. Cafe Mocha is a production of Miles Ahead Broadcasting in partnership with Compass Media. Executive producer Sheila Eldridge. For comments, booking, or more information, visit CafeMochaRadio.com. Announcing the Mocha Podcast Network, an innovative lifestyle podcast network featuring conversations from a black perspective. Curated with respected voices led by actresses and comedians Sherry Shepard and Kim Whitley. We're funny and we have a yes. point of view. We call that edumatainment. That's what we call it. Ed- is that what it is? Veteran TV journalist Rolanda Watts. Shocking the heck out of everybody. The legendary Unky Divas in Vogue. This topic is girl groups in the industry. To syndicated broadcast personalities, Lonnie Love and Dee Dee McGuire, as well as an array of experts and activists. Mocha Podcast Network, a lifestyle destination with authentic voices and perspectives designed to enrich and empower women of color with a unique listening experience. More than a destination, the Mocha Podcast Network is a full-service studio that offers an ongoing portfolio of production, distribution, marketing, guest booking, and most importantly, ad sales. With a unique revenue model for podcasters that includes customized promotional campaigns created specifically around podcaster and targeted audience, service social media promos and pushes, MPN brand advertising, targeted electronic newsletter, experienced sales representation, For advertisers, the Mocha Podcast Network is a safe marketplace to align their brands with trusted voices, organically engaging the highly in-demand female consumer and more. 
With quality over quantity, from concept to completion, now is the time for content creators and brands to join the innovative Mocha Podcast Network and experience unapologetic conversations with a new perspective.